Good morning. It is Sunday morning. It's time for another sermon that God has given me. And it's might be a long one. Um, a lot of reading, but sometimes these ones that look super long aren't, aren't so long. I'm kind of hoarse. I may be coughing a little bit. I, I have a cold or something. <sighs> so, you know what? Let's pray and then we'll just get right into this. Lord, we praise you, we glorify you, and we love you, and we thank you so much, Lord, for every single day that we have, for every gift that we are given. Life in itself is a gift, because it is it is a very small speck compared to eternal life that we'll have in heaven with you. So, Father, I pray that, that we, we, we accept life as a gift, Lord. Instead of any of the hardships we go through, any, anything that's uh, maybe hurting someone right now that's that's watching this video or a thousand years from now, if, if this video is still around, uh, I, I pray that anyone that has any, anything hard in their heart that, that it's released, Lord. It's released through your glory and your love and your light. And I, I pray that everyone's hearts are open to the message that I'm about to preach. And the message that I'm about to give is not from me, but from you, Lord. I pray this, and I thank you, and I love you, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's get started. <clears throat> First, turn your Bibles to Acts, chapter 3. <clears throat> Acts, chapter 3, we're going to go 1 through 8. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. By the way, I've, I've preached this exact scripture before. Whenever, whenever the Lord led me to, to put it as, as the, the, the theme or the starting scripture, I was like, Father, are you sure? Because it hasn't been that long since I preached this. And, he, and, 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 and I just got this rumble in my chest, and I was like, yes, sir. So... Verse 2, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. <clears throat> Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. <clears throat> Pardon me. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. <clears throat> I love this. Every time I read this, I get a little something else, extra out of it. Peter was always the bold one. Always the bold one. When, when Jesus uh, asked him to follow him, and then when he chose him as one of the twelve, he, he was always very bold. And Jesus, I, I will protect you. I, I will not let anyone harm you. Of course, we've, we've had this conversation before, uh, you know, realizing that you know, when, when he came to the realization that he wasn't protecting Jesus, Jesus was protecting him. After Jesus' death and resurrection, um, I wonder if he didn't just take some time to ponder all of the things that he said. And honestly, how comical they were. At the time, he was, he was very, you know, puffed up and and you know he, he believed what he said but once he knew irrevocably that Jesus is the Son of God is God in the flesh and he realized all those times that he was fighting for Jesus he was standing up for Jesus on him Jesus didn't need him to and Jesus just allowed him to believe that that's what he was doing. Because, why did Jesus do that? Because Jesus loves him. Loves all of us. 
So we, we all get the big head. We all, we, we all have that mightiness that we, uh, that we, we try to, you know, show, show off. I try not to anymore. I used to be very cocky. Uh, probably one of the things that attracted my wife to me when we first got together. I was very cocky. And uh, now I try to be the opposite. Because when people look at me, I, I want them to see Jesus. And that's how Christians are. When, when people see us, they should see Jesus in us. And um, there's a lot more that I can say about the scripture, but I'll bring it back up a little bit later on. Let's move on to Matthew chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 1 through 5. <clears throat> judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in the brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thy own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold the beam is in thy own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thy own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now, I looked up what a moat and a beam is, and I, I couldn't really get a, a definitive as to what an actual moat and an actual beam is. So it's, it's what I originally believed, that don't judge. And I, I prayed about it as well, because I just wanted to make sure that, I was, that, that my, my translation was, was accurate. Don't judge another. Don't judge anyone. Jesus didn't come to judge. There will be judgment, and Jesus will sit at judgment. But that has not come. And when Jesus came, he didn't come to judge. He came to say, it is not up to us to judge. It, just like it is not us, up to us to fight the battle. The battle has already been won. The battle has been won. Now, through victory, we can share Jesus with everyone. So, don't judge anyone. But, if you're helping another to see Jesus the way you see Jesus, then make sure that you don't have something hindering your vision or hindering you so that when you're helping them, you're not just leading them into the same pit that you're already halfway in. So, Remove the beam from your eyes so that you can clearly see how to help your brother remove the moat from his eye. Love one another as I love you. It's funny how that, that commandment does in fact to everything, every single thing. That's why when Jesus said, love thy Father with all thy heart and all thy mind and all thy soul and all thy spirit and all thy strength, and love one another as I love you, on these two commandments hang the law and prophets. That is why he said it, because it does. Originally, he said, love one another as thyself, but then later he said, I'm giving a new commandment love one another as I have loved you, which is greater than the previous. It is greater than the previous because love one another as you love yourself. Well, you don't love yourself very much. Then it's going to be hard for you to love someone else. But if you love one each other, your brother, your sister, like Jesus loves you, well, it's impossible for you 
to do that because his love is perfect. And I've said it a million times, and I'll say it a million more, probably 10 million more, probably 100 million more, depending on how long I live. His love is perfect. So we can't love our brother or our sister like he loves us, but we can try. And through trying, we can love them more than we love ourselves. So don't judge another. Don't judge another. Show them the way. Help them along the Christian walk. Help them find Jesus if they don't have him, if they don't know him. Show them the way to Jesus. But don't judge them in the process. Oh, you're a sinner. You're not going to heaven. Oh, but let me show you how. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. I'm sure they're going to listen to you after you, uh, you know, Bible-beating them over the head, unconscious. Instead of, you're a sinner, but I'm going to show you the way. You're an evil person, but I'm going to show you how to be good. Instead of that, you're like, hey, I love you. Let me show you another way. Let me tell you about Jesus. And then pray that your words are absorbed into their heart and they come to know Jesus. Don't beat them over the head. Just love them. No matter who they are or what they do. Just love them. Let's move on to Romans chapter 6. Verse 14 through 23. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. The law being the law of Moses. Um, Paul talks about the law of Moses uh, many a times, and he talks about the law of Moses to Gentiles. He explains to them what the law of Moses was and how it led the Jews to the grave. It led them to destruction. It led them to an end. Not a good end. He explains this to them so that they turn away from all of the laws and all of the, the idiocy that they were in before Jesus. He shows them how God's chosen people still came to fall into the fiery pit. What then shall we sin? Verse 15. Because we are not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. But we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Ah, okay. I'm sorry. I read that wrong. What then? Shall we sin? Sorry. Well, a lot of times when I write these scriptures, I don't know the meaning. I just, I'm just led to, to write them, and then the meaning comes to me as I preach to you. So... What then shall we sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace, God forbid. No, we should not sin. Yes, we are saved. We are not condemned to a fiery grave. Jesus has saved us from the grave. That does not mean that we just go sinning willy-nilly. God forbid we do so. Know ye not, verse 16, that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men, because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. What fruit had ye then in those things? Whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. The end of sin is death. The end of all the iniquity and the shame that we, 
the Gentiles, before we were saved, before we were Christians, before we were believers and followers of Christ, followers of His life, before then, we were ultimately headed... We were ultimately headed to the grave, to the fiery pit. But through Jesus, through His grace and His glory and His righteousness and His love, we are saved from our sin. We are saved from death. And death, death isn't this body dies. Death is the eternal grave. We are saved from that. Let's do 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. <coughs> Let me go back to verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. <clears throat> but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. So you served sin and all non-believers still con continue. They serve sin. I have a friend that uh, is uh, an atheist, and he, uh, I've, I, I've talked to him a lot uh, to the point that uh, I, I feel like I was starting to push him away, so I stopped. And uh, but I, I told him he's a servant of sin. He goes, "No, I'm not. I don't serve sin." Uh, and that's what all of the unknown believe that they believe that there is no sin because they don't believe in God. So they believe that everything they do is within their right to do whatever they will, but this is the only life that they have. They have no other life beyond this. And it's it's sad. I don't I don't want anyone I know Anyone I don't know, anyone that I see from afar, I don't want anyone to burn in a fiery grave. I want every single person I've ever known to know Jesus. And I don't know, I don't know that every single person I've ever known knows Jesus. So it's my job, it's every believer's job to save the unrighteous to save the sinner, to save he or she who serves sin. And what's really interesting, is they that serve sin, serve Satan. And that's why they that serve sin, hate Christians. That's why Christians are killed all over the world. That's why Christians are ridiculed and put down on, on live television, on a daily basis, because they work for, they serve evil. They serve Satan. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a follower of Satan. And all the anger that comes, all the anger of atheism, all the anger in atheism, atheists are full of anger towards Christians, towards believers of Jesus. They're relatively accepting of all the other religions, but they have a, a tremendous amount of hate towards Christians. And that is because they serve the great deceiver. The Prince of Lies. They serve Satan. And Satan, Satan wants 
every human being to burn in the fiery pit with him. Every single one. Let's uh, let's switch over to Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four, verse thirty-five through forty-one. It's funny, uh, the Lord led me to. To speak in Mark, we have some Mark a little bit down there. I don't, I don't read Mark very often. It's, uh, it's a less detailed uh, uh, story of Jesus, but Mark is still very important because he, he mentions things that the other apostles don't. But uh, so it was interesting that that the Lord led me to preach out of Mark. So. Mark 4, chapter 35. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. This is Jesus speaking. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? So Jesus went to sleep in the in the boat. Yeah, many times. Uh, the the uh, representation of this uh, on TV is just a little old rowboat, but they use shit. So I'm gonna say it's a bit it's a bit larger than just a little rowboat. I mean there was like twelve apostles and Jesus. So had to be bigger than a rowboat. And he was asleep. Possibly I would say it said under the hinder, so he probably was out of the weather. So like the rain's falling, the winds are crashing, and, and the apostles are scared to death. Um some of the other represents uh, some of the other uh, apostles that describe this are a little more uh Forthcoming as to what's actually going on, Mark Mark just kind of, kind of just ran over, you know, like like real quickly what was happening. But uh, and there arose a great storm wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Two two little uh, two little verses to explain a point in time. That the apostles thought they were going to die. It's funny. I actually uh, watched something the other day, uh, and, they, and they mentioned the story. And um, I think at that point, I had already uh, marked this this line of scriptures as as my sermon. I love how God moves. Um, so they're scared. They 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 believe that they're going to die because that that's the only thing that would bring them to awaken. Their master that would awake that would bring them to awaken Jesus. If they thought they could handle it on their own, they would. Especially Peter. They would have handled it on their own and not awakened him. But they were afraid that they were going to die. Master, carest thou not that we perish? And it's it's funny. Because had they said nothing, they would have made it from one end to the other. They would have made it across the sea. Jesus, the Son of God, the Word made flesh, was in the boat sleeping. It wasn't going to tip over. It wasn't going to be crashed in half. They weren't going to drown. They would have been fine. But they had no faith. <coughs> they couldn't close their, their minds to everything that was going on and just listen to their heart. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. Wouldn't that have been amazing? Every time I preach on this, I say the same thing. Wouldn't it be absolutely amazing? You see Jesus just stand and say, Peace be still, and everything 
raging clouds, thunder and lightning and wind and rain and the waves and instantly calm. just be awesome to see. The thing is, if they hadn't said anything, if they hadn't had faith, it would have made... But the fact that they had no faith and they awoke Jesus, it further strengthened their faith, ultimately. And I say ultimately, because, and he rose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. A great calm. That is an absolute calm raging everywhere, fear of, of death and destruction, and then just calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what matter of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, they had no faith that Jesus was who he, who he had said he was. They had no faith, even after all they had seen, that he was, in fact, the Son of God. God in the flesh. God among us. The Scripture realized. They had no faith. So, they were, they were more afraid. <laughs> they were more afraid that after he calmed everything, they were more afraid. Ultimately, though, this led to an unbreakable faith, which we know is the death and resurrection. That every, every single thing that happened unto the death and resurrection added to an unbreakable faith. I mean, they were still, they were still humans, so they still had trials and, and errors. Uh, Peter fell off a, a, a couple of times. Still, not falling off to the point that like he went right back to fishing, like he originally tried to do. But he still stumbled because he's human. We all are human, and we all will stumble. Some of us will fall, but most of us will come back to Jesus. Most of us that stumble and fall will come back to Jesus, at least until we get to very close to the end. And then many of us, as it is written in Revelations, will turn away from God completely. And, and we, see, we see those now that do. They turn around and they publicly proclaim that they are no longer Christians and, and they, they go back to living a life full of sin full of what they want. And it's it's sad to turn your back on a tongue. And that's why faith is so incredibly important because faith isn't faith. And I've said it many times, I've said it many times again. Faith is not faith if it isn't tested. Your faith will be tested. Now, is God testing you? Yes and no. Is he doing the thing to you to test your faith? No, but he is allowing it. But it says in the good book that he never allows any level of temptation beyond what you can resist. So he never allows anything that you're going through. He never allows anything that you can't resist, that you can't get through. Now, you may think to yourself, how am I going to make it through this day? How am I going to make it through this week? How am I going to live with this the rest of my life? I don't know how I can. It's beyond. It's, it's above anything that I can stand. It isn't. It isn't. It is not above anything that you can stand. You just think it is because your flesh is very, very weak. Have faith, brother and sister. Have faith. Pray and believe and know that you will be delivered from your pain. You will be delivered from your sorrow. You will be delivered from death. Now, death on earth, maybe not. But this is only a small piece because sometimes the answer is no. So being delivered from death may be 
an earlier trip to heaven than what you originally thought. That's why Christians, believers in Jesus, should never fear death. I can understand the flesh coming through me like, do I really know what's on the other side? Yes, you do. But, 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 if, but if my mother or, or my wife or, or my son or my daughter or, or my best friend, if, if they die, I won't see them anymore. You will. You'll see them again. If they believe, you'll see them again. If they don't believe, then, then be fearful. But how do you, how do you measure fear? How do you break it down? You pray. Prayer is so incredibly important. It's one of the most important things as a believer in Jesus because it is a direct connection to God. I was telling a friend of mine the other day, the more you pray, the more of a fellowship you, you gain with Jesus. The more you pray, the closer to Jesus you get. And, the, and next thing you know, you can see Jesus in everywhere that you look. You can feel him in everything that you do. You can, when you breathe in air, you're breathing in Jesus. Prayer is good for the soul. It's good for the heart. It's good for the body. It does a body good. Prayer is a gift, an absolutely amazing gift from the creator of everything. He who has no beginning or end. He who is the Alpha and Omega, the creator of the beginning and the creator of the end. <clears throat> the creator of everything. A gift from him. And it is a glorious, wonderful, and amazing gift. And the more you use that gift, the more you become close to God. The more you see Him, the more you feel Him, the more you hear Him, the more He stirs within you. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5 through 7. I love this. In fact, I have the first, the, the, I have the scripture on my phone, on my lock screen. So every time my phone comes up, I see it so that I remember it. Trust, this is uh, verse 5, chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes, for the fear, for fear the Lord and depart from evil. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Trust in him. Don't try to understand. If he if he sends you a message or a thought. Or if he shows you something, or if you feel something, or if you hear something, anything from God, accept it. If he gives you a task, if he sends you along a path, take the path, do the task, do the work. Don't try to contemplate it. Don't think about it too hard. Because your mind will twist it into something that it isn't. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And he will direct your path. In all thy ways acknowledge him. In everything that you do, acknowledge God. In everything that you do, praise God. In everything that happens, praise him. Praise him. Praise the everlasting king, Jesus Christ. Praise him. 
in everything. If if you get a check in the mail you weren't expecting, praise him. If you get a check in the mail you were expecting, praise him. If something happens the way you wanted it to, praise him. If something, if everything goes completely wrong and nothing is going right for you, and you have no idea where to go from there on, you, you you're full of fear and doubt and and sadness and and hurt and pain and anger. Praise Him. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Do not use this thing right here. Do not use your wisdom. <clears throat> your own understanding. <clears throat> to try to figure out what God has given you. Take what He gives you and run with it. Don't think about it. Don't contemplate it. Run with it. Go with it. Do. Be a doer for Jesus, not a thinker. God doesn't need thinkers. His wisdom confounds the wise. His wisdom breaks the understanding of the flesh. When he gives you something, go with it. When anything. And if everything is quiet, and he hasn't given you anything, if you're praying and all you're getting is silence, then this is what's really hard. If you've prayed, if you have something that's approaching, a fear, a worry, or a doubt, a concern. If you're on the brink of death and destruction, if you have but a short while, and there seems like there's only closed doors, there's no way out, and you are praying and you're getting nothing but silence, then Peace, be still. Peace, be still. Just wait. Wait for the answer. Wait for God. Wait, because sometimes that wait is your answer. That silence is your answer. Instead of making a choice, the choice is no choice. Instead of taking a step forward, there is no step to take. Instead of doing an action to keep you from the brink of death, perhaps there is no action. There is no choice. His silence is your answer. His silence is your deliverance. We are a very loud people. There is radio and TV and MP3s and video games and all kinds of stuff that's so loud, that's so incredibly consuming. And the answer is literally silent. The answer is quiet. The answer is prayer. Meditation and prayer. Meditation is where you calm down and you close your eyes and you hear, you push out everything to where all you have is calm. And then you pray. And if your answer is silence, then run with it. Go with it. Don't think about it. Be a doer for Jesus. Not a thinker. I keep getting hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold. I thought wearing shorts I would be just cold, but no. A lot of body heat. Um, let's go to Matthew chapter 26. I know we're bouncing around a lot today, but I preach what God gives me. 
Just my hand will quit getting so sweaty. It's driving me crazy. Matthew, first chapter twenty, yeah, chapter twenty-six, verse thirty-one through thirty-five. And then we're gonna jump ahead a little bit. Same, same chapter. It's a good chapter. <coughs> verse thirty-one. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. All ye shall be offended because of me this night. Because, well, let's read Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me threes. Offended meaning, uh, they will all spread out and they will not. If anyone asks, you know, if, oh, aren't you one of Jesus' apostles? They'll be like, no, no, not me. They'll, they'll, they'll spread away and leave Jesus and, and not want to be associated with him for fear of persecution and death. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise, likewise also said all the disciples. So this is the famous point in time when Peter was told by Jesus, first Peter was doing what Peter does. I will stand with I will not be offended by thee, my Lord. I will not leave your side. I will be with you, and I will not deny you. And Jesus is like, not only will you deny me, you'll do it three times before the cock crows. And Peter's like, nah, no, I won't. And all the other stuff's like, yeah, we won't either. Let's pop ahead. Six to verse 69. Still chapter 26. <clears throat> I did not know about this. No. 69 through 75. Sometimes I get so excited that uh, <clears throat> Verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace. This is after they came and they hauled Jesus away. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And, he, and when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them, that were there. This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth, and again he denied in the, with an oath. I do not know the man. With an oath he denied. With an oath. He promised. I don't know Jesus is what he said. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, now this is after a while. This isn't just like boom, 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 and then the cock crows. This, this happened over, over the course of some time. And after a while came unto him, they stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Which means he, he speaks uh, as, as the other apostles speak. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went away and wept bitterly. He wept bitterly because he was angry with himself. He was angry. He had stood up and said, I will not be offended by you, Lord. I will not leave your side. I will not deny your name. And the other disciples, yes, we won't deny your name either. And then he did. He did of his own free will. 
of his own free will. He, he willfully told Jesus, promised him that he would not deny him. And then he willfully denied him and promised. Promised that he didn't know Jesus with an oath. An oath is a promise. So he willfully, he willfully denied him. I mean, willfully so that he wouldn't deny him. And then he willfully did. You know what this says to me? Yes, it says God's will be done. I say God's will be done all the time. But what does that mean? What does God's will be done? What does that mean? God is in control. God is in control. He moves through free will. And free will is a gift given by God because of His perfect love. So when bad people do bad things, they have free will because God loves us. And when good people do good things, they have free will because God loves us. His love doesn't always look pretty. A lot of the, most of the bad things that happen in the world are because evil men make a willful choice. But God's love can't be stopped. It can't be stopped just at the righteous. He can't just give free will to the righteous and make the unrighteous slaves. Because the unrighteous all of the righteous at one point were unrighteous. All of the righteous at one point did evil, horrible, terrible things in one way or another. We all have. Because at one point we all served Satan. We all served sin. And that's, that's another amazing thing. As powerful as Satan seems sometimes, he's not all that strong. He's not all that powerful. Oh, he is the great deceiver, and he has a lot of power and a lot of sway. And he does, he does get men to do evil and horrible things. But if he was so powerful, he would be able to keep us from the truth, wouldn't he? He would be able to keep us from ever finding Jesus. So as powerful as he is, he is still, he is still weak to the Almighty God. He is still weak to God's will. He is a part of God's will. God is in control. We have free will. Peter freely told Jesus he wouldn't deny him. And then he freely, willfully denied And with a promise. Peter, the man that after Jesus, after Jesus died and resurrected and ascended, Peter the man that, that healed the lame man that couldn't walk amongst thousands of people, he healed him in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He said, gold and silver I do not have, but what I do have I will freely give. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. And the man was healed. Because Peter has power? Because Peter is strong? Because Peter has all kinds of strength and power and, and just the power just flows through him? Nope. Peter has no power. The power is from Jesus. Jesus gave power to the apostles that they can own, that they only get from him. He gave them the power to heal. The power to resurrect. Peter resurrected several apostles throughout Acts and Romans. Towards the end of the Bible. Resurrected in Jesus' name. Before Jesus, it was impossible. After Jesus, it happened quite a lot. Before Jesus, the only one that could resurrect was God. And after Jesus, the only one that could resurrect was God. 
cured the dead. Peter spoke the words and healed the man. But Peter had the power of Jesus, and only with that power. And only with unbreakable faith was he able to heal the lame man. But before Peter could do all that, Peter denied Jesus after promising that he would. And he denied him three times over the course of some time. And the cock crowed and he remembered and he weeped bitterly because he was angry with himself. He was angry and sad and hurt that he would deny Jesus who he loved so much. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 16. Yep, lots of jumping around today. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. What does that mean? It means that we may in our heart decide where we're going to go and what we're going to do. We may decide through free will how we're going to live our lives, but our steps are still directed by God. God draws a path in the sand, and we will follow that path. We may go all over the place, zigzagging up and down and underneath, but we're going to get to that end place. And ultimately, ultimately, God is going to leave it up to us to choose Him or Satan. He's going to allow us through free will to choose. But he is going to he is going to create a path that will lead us to righteousness and then allow us to choose. Sometimes he may harden our hearts so that we can see miracle after miracle, so we can see light after light, so we can see the works and the glory of Jesus. So that when we choose Him, our faith is unshakable. He may soften our hearts so that we quickly and easily believe. And then allow Satan to tempt us to strengthen our faith. To test it. To see if through our faith we can weather anything. We may decide in our hearts and in our minds how we will live our life, but God is in control. Jesus will direct our path. God's will be done. And the last scripture, back to Mark chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 36. <clears throat> as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. That is a very powerful, very, very powerful saying from Jesus. And that saying wasn't just to the ruler of the synagogue. It was to all of us. Because fear directs our path. Fear leads us along the broken path. Leads us away from the path that God has drawn for us. Fear leads us to the fiery pit. 
At least that's what Satan wants it to do. Fear hurts faith. Fear can upset the greatest and most wonderful and most amazing thing. Jesus directs our path. He directs our steps. And fear can lead us away. Fear can lead us down so many dark paths. And we will still reach the end of the path that Jesus has drawn for us. We will reach that place. But how much pain and misery and sorrow and, and, and evil and darkness and death and destruction do we have to go through to get to that end? Be not afraid. Only believe. God is in control. In my ministry, this ministry that we, that we formed when God called me, I hit the ground running. Man, I have done everything I could possibly think of. Pushing, 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 pushing to gain, to gain a congregation, to gain followers, to gain subscribers to not just to YouTube, but to Gab and Facebook. And, and I, did a, I have a podcast now. I have done everything until I hit a brick wall and nothing was moving forward. And I've been praying, Father, Father, I'll submit, I'll submit, I'll submit, I'll submit. Please just, just help me. Give me a congregation. Not for me, but for you. Not for me, but for you. Not for me, but for you. And then, one day, I prayed. I think it was a night. I think it was the morning, actually, heading to work. I prayed. And through quiet, through actually listening, little voice said, I'm in control. And it wasn't a little voice, it was a very loud, powerful voice. I'm in control. Not you. Quit trying to make things happen when nothing will happen until you have faith and you believe and be quiet and be still. Peace be still popped up in my head. And that, that is what started this sermon. This was literally this week. Monday, Monday, Monday morning. So I made a vow. And I've had, I've, I've been having some questions. And it's funny, I was watching a, I was watching a video about Billy Graham, and he made a vow, and it just made so much sense to me. And I think I heard it when I, when I needed to. I, I can't believe I had never heard it before. I heard it when I needed to hear it. Because God's timing is perfect. I needed to get to the brink where I literally did not know what to do next. I had to get to the brink where I was beyond my own comprehension and all I could do next was listen to God. Listen to Jesus speaking to me. Be quiet and be still and listen. And he spoke. Very loud. Not just through words, but in everything that happened that day, every single thing that took place, I saw the, His truth. I saw what I should have seen all along. What I did see when I accepted the call, but then I just got so caught up with, I need to do this, and I need to do this, and I need to do this, and we need to do this, and we need to do this, and I need to do this, and I need to, I, I need to be in a hurry. Because time is near. 
Time is near. It's getting close. Jesus is coming back. I gotta, I, I, I gotta get hurried. And then Jesus said, Peace be still. And then I realized that a lot of what I was doing was through fear. Through fear that I wasn't doing enough. That I wasn't doing enough. That I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. I was so afraid that I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do that I didn't stop to listen to what he had to say. And I heard Actually, I read. But it's funny how sometimes I'll read Scripture and I can hear the voice of God saying it to me as I, as I read. And it said, Be not afraid, only believe. When I read that Scripture, I knew. I knew for sure. I already knew, but I knew that I had to stop and listen and quit doing and trying to do and trying to make things happen and just know that God is in control. His will be done. And silence was my answer. For a long time, silence was my answer. And I wasn't understanding that I needed to just stop and listen. So let's all stop and listen. When you pray, wait for an answer. I tell people all the time, I've told so many people, when you pray, listen. And I wasn't listening. I was halfway listening. God has, has been directing the path. But it but it's been somewhat broken because I wasn't listening completely. I had one foot in the door and one foot out. One foot in the bucket of water and one foot out. And now both feet are in the tub of water. Both feet are inside. If this is my ministry here for until my death, then so be it. This is my ministry, our ministry. Jesus Christ's ministry. It's His ministry. So, from this day on, when you ask the question, when you pray, when you meditate, when you need clarity through Jesus, and He is the only clarity, he is the only way. He is truth, absolute truth, and life, and light. The only truth, the only way, the only life, the only light, everlasting. Stop and listen for direction. Listen for Him to direct your steps, to lead you down the path that He has set for you, not your own. Even if what you're doing is for, is for good, ultimately for good, if it's not God's will, if it's not what He has willed for you, then you're gonna hit a brick wall. You're gonna end up at the end of your rope. So rather than ending up at the end of your rope and then looking for an out, just peace, be still. And wait for His love and His light and His peace and His glory and everything from Him to direct you down the road that you need to go. Don't take the jagged rocks. Don't, don't trench through the mud. Walk down the perfect road that he's laid for you. 
Because I think when we get to heaven, we're going to realize how much easier it could have been. And how hard we made. Well, let's pray. Father, we praise you and we glorify you and we love you and we thank you so much, Lord, for this word, for this gift that you've given us today, Lord. I pray that my words sink into the hearts of everyone that hears, everyone that sees, and those that are closer will be made closer, Lord. And those that are far will come close. I pray, Lord, that you fill our hearts and our minds and our bodies and our spirits with your truth, with your life, with your light. And you help us not to think too much, not to try to break down things in our own understanding, but to just take what you give us and run with it, Lord. Go with it. Take the path that you've given. The light that you've shined upon us, Lord. I pray that we have each one of us a wonderful week and that any trial that we face, we face it with you. Any pain that we face, we face it with you. Any suffering that we come to, we suffer it with you, Lord. That through you, and in you, we do all things. I pray this in all of these things. I ask all of these things, and I praise you and glorify you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I hope everyone has a wonderful week and a wonderful rest of your day, and God bless you.